Hello Lit Chat listeners, this is PJ. And this is Bonnie. And we're going to be talking about our reads today. I'm going to go ahead and pass it to you first, Bonnie. I read the next book in J.D. Robb's series called Encore in Death with Eve Dallas and Detective Peabody and the group, her husband Rourke and Peabody's husband McNabb. It was kind of like celebrity book. You had this these two celebrities, megastars that were married to each other, and they had a party. The husband ends up keeling over dead from being poisoned. And Eve has to discover who did the poisoning. They were in the process of redoing a play that uh, Eliza Lane was the megastar, Brant Fitzhugh was her husband. Brant is the one that died. Eliza was in the process, they were in the process of a revival of a play that she starred in when she was a little girl. And now she's playing the mother figure. And the name of the play was Upstage, and basically in the play, the mother upstages the daughter. So now she is in the role of being the upstager, so to speak. It gets a little convoluted. You have an old flame that's also an actress that's in the picture. um, And you think maybe she's the one that committed the murder. You have a friend who just backs her up totally until things happen. And then, uh, but Eve does her usual thing and finds out. And it's all about envy, greed, being upstaged, okay. like the name of the play. A lot of people were having issues with each other. I just find her books very interesting. She delves into how she goes about getting the evidence, because obviously you have to have evidence in order to bring somebody to trial. And of course, in this case, they needed to find the poison. And of course they did, and where they found it was very very not good. <laughs> it okay. was just it was just a really really bad place to have hidden poison. And I'm not going to give that away because that gives away part of the story. But um um they did, she did end up finding the murderer in the end like she always does. But it, it, in the meantime she had to go through it this was one of those books where all the evidence was pointing to somebody else, not the actual murderer. Oh, I like that. So you're like, did she do it? Nah, she couldn't have. It's too obvious. You know, it's one of the... But maybe it is obvious in this book. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they went with the obvious person. But nah. You know, it was just way too obvious. And so, and then, you know, there's a few other characters that they threw in that, well, maybe that person did it. No, maybe this person did it. But you never thought that the person who did it was the one that did it. So it kept you guessing. Until the end. So it kept you guessing. So, yes. I always like J.D. Robb. If if you like good detective stories, she's a great one to read. Okay. So I will talk about one of the ones that I read. It's called Galatea by Madeline Miller. Um, It's a retake on a Greek myth. It's under 60 pages. And it's a very small little book. Madeline Miller's also the one that were, wrote Circe, 
So she has a tendency to rewrite mythological figures, and she focuses mostly on women. So this one is a retake on a Greek myth. Um, in the Greek, the original Greek myth, there's a sculptor named Pygmalion who basically detests all real women. He thinks they're all um, immoral, loose, just the worst. So he ends up sculpting this beautiful woman and she just happens to be beautiful. And he consistently keeps doting on her and just wishing that she'll come alive. And so by the grace of the gods, Aphrodite, she does end up coming alive. And in Greek mythology, they live a happily ever after. And she's a submissive wife that he always wanted. And she's not tainted in any way. But in this take, Madeline Miller gives her more of a feminist quality. So in this take, it's the fact that she is, she's living in a relationship with a man who is extremely jealous, overly protective, and she wants okay. her freedom. And she has a daughter by this Pygmalion in this book. She has a daughter in the Greek mythology, the original. The end result is she ends up doing something drastic to get her freedom and her daughter's freedom. And so I appreciated that it was a feminist view. A lot of the times these Greek mythologies will only mention women once or twice. They're very one-dimensional characters because they tend to focus on the males instead. Okay. And so I appreciate that uh, Galatea was more than just one-dimensional in this book. Um, you felt for her and the way she gets her freedom and essentially her daughter's freedom is um, interesting. It goes to show the love that a mother has for their child to be willing to do the sacrifice that she does. I read, it's actually three books, but it's a trilogy okay. that I'm going to just talk about as one big idea. Okay. They're by Nora Roberts. It's the Dragonheart Trilogy, and it's The Awakening, The Becoming, and The Choice. And we have Breen, who is... Uh, a teacher in Philadelphia. She hates her job. Her mother is a very overbearing person, but she's kind of mousy. She doesn't exert herself. She just goes with the flow. And her mother is out of town and she goes to her mother's apartment to water the plants, which we go in, we open the windows for exactly one hour, we water the plants, and then we close the windows, and we leave. We don't hang out at Mother's house. Because this is the rules that her mom has This given is her. the rules that her mom has. Well, while she's here on this particular day, she had opened the windows, and she's getting ready to water the plants, and she walks back into the office, study, whatever, her mother's office, and apparently, quote-unquote, the wind has blown in through the windows, even though it hasn't blown into any other windows. It has blown into this windows and blown the file cabinets open oh. and scattered all these papers around. So she's like, oh my God, I got to clean this mess up. So as she's cleaning it up, she 
starts noticing her name on a lot of these papers. Mm-hmm. Come to find out her mother has kept secret from her that her father, who is gone, we're not sure exactly where he is yet, but he's no longer with them, has been sending money for her since she was like five years old. And this is her mom, right? Not like stepmom or anything? This is her mother. Okay, yes. Because it sounds very Her simple. mother has been keeping this money secret from her, and there is like three to four million dollars that is in this account for her. So she contacts the person that's holding the account, asks them, basically, is this my money? And he goes, oh, yes. She goes, and I can do anything I want with it, right? He says, yes, it's your money. She says, okay, the first thing I want to do is take my mom off the account. And I want it put in my name. And he's like, well, I think, we should talk to your mother about this first. And she's going, wait, let me let me get this straight. My mom has told you that I don't know how to take care of money and I can't take care of myself and do all this stuff. So she needed to keep track of this money for me. And he goes, uh, well, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. She goes, well, I'm not. I'm a teacher. I can take care of my own money. I want her off my account. If this is my money, do it. So they did it. So now she's got this money. Well, she has this friend. Marco, who is gay, um, and they share an apartment together. They're like brother and sister. She's always wanted to go to Ireland, and Marco has never had a chance to go anywhere. And that's where her father is from, is Ireland. So she decides she wants to go to Ireland and see if she can find her father, and or at least find out what happened to him. So she and Marco take an extended vacation And they go to Ireland together and they're traveling around Ireland. And she's decided she wants to take a really, she wants to become an author. She wants to try to write a book and she thinks Mm -hmm. Ireland is the place to do it. You know, where she could have peace, quiet. There's this cottage that they end up staying in that is the perfect cottage for them. It's exactly what she wants. She can view the bay. It's in the forest. You know, it's got all, everything she wants. So she's staying at this cottage Marco has to go back to Philadelphia. His vacation time is up, but she has stayed. She's tripping through the woods one day, and this dog shows up. Now, this dog is weird. It's I forget what kind of dog it is. And they're tripping through the woods one day, and she trips over this tree branch and falls into the roots and ends up in fairyland, in the fae. Is it just her or the dog, too? The dog, too. The dog has led her through. Oh, okay. 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 And in the process, she finds her grandmother. She finds out that her father was Fae. What we consider mythical. Supposedly, they're very real. There are several different types of Fae. You have were-Fae's that are not just werewolves. Mm -hmm. You have different types of animals that people change into. Um, you have the fairies, which fly. Oh, so like shapeshifters? Yes. So different types uh, of mythical Different types characters. of mythical characters. Okay. okay. She comes to find out and she starts remembering stuff that her mother has never talked about. Because she lived in Talaf, in this 
place called Talif. Okay. Different world. Well, I was going to say magical. It is magical. And she finds her grandmother. She finds her old friends. It's the story of how she awakens to what she was born into. How she sort of becomes her own self. Because is she also? She is. This is the thing with her. She is human. She is fae. And she is part God because her grandfather oh. is a God. Okay. He is a bad God. He is an evil God. And he wants to take over all of the worlds inside so, and outside. What is his father's name? Odrin is his name in this book. Very close to Odin. Yes. But he wants to take over everything. And in order to do that, he needs her power. He needs to basically suck her power dry. So he's got to try to kidnap her, steal her, whatever, which he tried to do when she was a baby. And this is what caused her mother to be totally against this area because her mother actually lived in Talif too until she was like five years old. And then after this kidnapping took place and all of this stuff, she's like, no, I don't want to have anything to do with so that world anymore. Do you think and the mother was being protective as opposed to... Oh, yes. To- she was being extremely protective, but she also was not telling her the truth. And she finds out that her father was basically the leader at one point, and he ended up dying trying to fight his father, mm-hmm. who was Odrin. Odrin ends up killing him, but she meets her grandmother, who is giving her some history of her. It's very mythological. It's very magical. If you like that kind of story, I, I kind of like it. Fantasy type yeah. stuff. It's about light and dark, right and wrong, protecting or stifling. And they call it choice. Their big thing is you have a choice. It's your choice. But you come to find out, is it really a choice or is it destiny? Mm-hmm. And she's told all along, you don't have to do this. You don't have to learn to fight. You don't have to believe in this. You don't have to do any of this stuff. But if you don't, the world's going to fall apart. Odrin will find another way and he will he will eventually kidnap you he will eventually you know kill you and he will get his power so if you don't do this really choices. yes so they keep saying though it and it it runs through a lot of fantasy my daughter told me that in a lot of the fantasy that she reads about the fae and and all of this stuff that they're always about choice you always have a choice but you really really don't because if you choose not to then now you're you know, putting somebody else at risk. So it seems like with the Greek mythologies and all of these hero stories, they always have a choice, but ultimately they become heroes because they do the right, they make the right choice. Right. Right. Because they make the quote unquote right choice. What's better for everyone as opposed to maybe just them. Or what's better for everyone else and not necessarily you. Yeah. You know. 
I just like it. I like the idea of the fantasy of her. She actually chooses to live in both worlds. She can go through this tree and she does it. She stays at her college she, cottage. She writes her book. She ends up becoming a very good author. So how is her relationship with her mom? Her mom won't even talk to her anymore. Her mother just, okay, fine. If you're going to go there, don't bring it to my house. Don't come see me. And her mother just won't have anything to do with her anymore. Okay. And you're just like, I feel sorry for you. But that's the same way with Marco's parents, too. And he kind of had, they both kind of have substitute parents in Sally and Derek. And Sally and Derek are drag queens. And Sally owns a little bar in Philadelphia. She has basically taken both Marco and Breen under her as her children. But Marco's family was the same way when he came out and said he was gay. They were, you don't exist anymore. We don't even mention your name in our house anymore. Because Breen tried to go after Marco ends up going with her through the tree mm-hmm. and through through it and it's really interesting the way that happens but he's like i'm not i'm not leaving you to do this by yourself girl <laughs> and he goes with her when she goes back but she tries to talk to his mother breen tries to talk to his mother marco's mother and she just won't even acknowledge the fact that marco exists so both of them have kind of like lost their families And Sally and Derek have taken care of them and taken up with them. And now Marco has met somebody in Talif. And he is going to live happily ever after. The book ends up well, but it kind of like, really, it was very anticlimactic in the end. I was expecting this big thing at the end. And it was (laughs) rather anticlimactic, you know. Because obviously, she's got to destroy the god and... She does, but it's how she does it, how she goes about doing it, how she learns about it, and, you know, all of this different stuff. And there's dragons and all this other stuff. That's that's why it's called the Dragonheart Trilogy. You know, there's dragons. I mean, I did think there was going to be some mythical going on because of that title. And she learns magic. Kind of liked it. It was I liked the the whole series, and it was it was just a little fun read. I mean, the books are kind of long. It's not a short read, yeah, but it's fun. Nice if you like that kind of stuff. All right, my second book was um, Immortality by Dana Schwartz. Um, this is a sequel to Anatomy, a love story. Um, so immediately, this book starts off with Hazel. If you remember from the first book, Hazel is. She's a girl who wants to be a doctor around the 1800s. She wants to be a doctor, but nobody um, at that time really, well, you know, women doctors are not accepted. So the idea is something that is not looked upon, and she doesn't get that much help. So in this book, she's living by herself because her mother has moved to London to be with their youngest, her youngest son, Percy, who she kind of helicopters. And so Hazel living by herself in her estate in Ireland, if I'm not mistaken, um, ends up setting up a free clinic to help people in need. And this is how she's able to practice the stuff that she learned in the first book. 
She is, however, imprisoned when she's found to help a woman in distress who tried to take care of her unwanted pregnancy. So there was this woman who had an unwanted pregnancy. It seems like the woman was became pregnant by a well-to-do man. And when she, basically, I think she was raped. And she didn't want the kid. And she tried to fix it herself, but it became horribly bad. And so she seeked Hazel's help because she knew that Hazel would help her. Um, right. They end up finding out and Hazel gets imprisoned. Basically, they put the blame on her that she's the one that tried to get rid of the child. Even the lady turns against her. Um, so the only reason she... So she ends up being rescued, however, from prison when she's requested to become the personal physician of Princess Charlotte. Now, Princess Charlotte is a real person. I really absolutely like this book because it brings in famous people from back then, like Lord Byron and Princess Charlotte. And so Princess Charlotte is battling with a mysterious illness. She's gone through several physicians and nobody seems to help her. So they decide, well, maybe if a woman physician comes in, maybe she'll have more progress. So while she's in England, because she has to move to England to be with the princess, she meets Lord Byron, the Lavoisiers, Antoine Lavoisier, is known as the father of chemistry. So she ends up meeting them through an invitation to join the Companions of Death. The Companions of Death, um, she soon finds out, are these very famous people, intellectuals, who have taken the elixir that gives them immortality. Uh-huh. And they are connected to Beecham, because Beecham was the one who helped invent this elixir with the Lavoisiers. So they have all died, presumably. But they're just still hanging around immortal. And they get her help because, well, she's a physician. And so if they have problems, they're hoping that she can fix it. For example, if their foot ends up falling off because it gets rotten, they're hoping that she'll be able to fix that. So they bring her in. And in the midst of all of this, her dealings with the Companions of Death and her trying to figure out Charlotte's mysterious illness... She also starts kind of getting into this relationship with a doctor. This doctor is in charge of taking care of George III, who has some mental problems. I was going to say, wasn't he the one they considered crazy or something? Okay. Yes. Yeah. So because they're both um, helping the royals, they end up having something in between them. But soon enough, Jack who, if you remember from the first book, Jack was... He was the one that helped her with the cemetery, stealing uh-huh. the bodies, huh? Yes. Yeah, okay. Jack. I remember a little bit about you talking about the first book. Yes. She gave Jack the elixir. Oh. This is how we end up with Jack, and whether she will get back with Jack or not is to be seen. Actually, it's not to be seen. Read the book and you'll figure it out. (laughs) But Beecham comes back in. Find out about Beecham. It's a decision of you need to pick. You figure out whether she's going to pick a Jack or the King's physician. You find out she helps solve the mystery with the King's illness. She also... Does um, she ever figure out Charlotte's illness? She 
does. Okay. She does. Now, Charlotte's illness is very mysterious indeed. That only a smart, savvy girl would have been able to have gotten. Okay. And basically, let's just say that she goes beyond helping Charlotte with her mysterious illness. She also ends up helping Charlotte because all Charlotte wants is to be married with the person that she loves. She doesn't really want to be a princess. She doesn't really want to get married for duty. She's just deeply unhappy. And so Hazel finds a way to help her out in that situation. I just really love the book. I mean, I love the first one. The second one was great also. I love all these historical figures that were mentioned. And once again, Hazel is just a really awesome character, strong woman. She's just very strong, very free-willed, very much about helping others. Oh, good. Yeah, no, I really absolutely love this book, and I love the first book. So it's Immortality by Dana Schwartz, and I don't know if she'll make a third one or not, but I would read it. Okay. Well, I read my next Southern Homebrew Mystery by Diane Kelly. This one's called Fiddling with Fate, and if you remember, I've talked about Hattie and her grandpa, and Hattie owns the Moonshine Shack in Chattanooga, Tennessee, Mm -hmm. and it's their... The next installment of finding a dead body at one of her events. (laughs) This one, they're at a actual winery and the owner of the winery and her decide that maybe they, they'll have an event that includes these brothers who are called the bootlegging brothers and they, they have a small fiddle playing band. They're very popular around Chattanooga and one of them ends up dead And they have to figure out how, why, who did it. And through the course of the book, she's back with her Chattanooga police officer, Marlon. But the the whole idea was, you know, let's have this wine and moonshine thing and let people decide which they like better. And so she came up with moonshine flavors that kind of were the same as the wine flavors. Oh. You know, so if they had sangria for the wine, she came up with a sangria moonshine or okay. a drink made with moonshine. You know, those are very different drinks. Yes, so it was it was very interesting for people to come to this event and say, "Oh, we've got moonshine and we've got wine." That's like two totally different things, but it was it was a really nifty idea and a nifty experience. You met the the neighbor to the winery, who had ended up having some very key information that helped solve the murder because she is one of these people that, oh, she's just this little old lady that lives in this shack down on this hill and she don't know nothing. She ain't got nothing. And she ended up having some information that helped solve the murder. Very interesting characters. I like these little books, you know, they're just your little cozy mysteries and they're fun. (laughs) So my third one is The Cloisters by Katie Hayes. I've been really getting into the kind of uh, the mystical So the Cloisters is an actual place, because I had not known this. The Cloisters is actually a place in New York. It's a Gothic museum with medieval and Renaissance art and gardens that include poisonous plants. Okay. And the poisonous plants are all taken from what people would have grown in the medieval ages to cure themselves. Um, So you meet Anne Still, who lives in a small town, but wants more to life than just living in a small town. Still or still? Still well, sorry. Her father has died, 
And she decides that she wants to get out of her small town and she ends up going to New York where her education in medieval art gets her a job in the cloisters. She ends up in the cloisters by mistake. She was going to intern for a professor who ended up leaving to Italy. And so as she's talking to the HR person, the HR person's like, well, we don't have any room for you. We just, we, I'm sorry, your professor left for Italy and there's nothing we can do. In walks Patrick Rowland, who's the curator of the cloisters. And he's got this upcoming exhibit talk on tarot cards. Not only does he have this talk, but he really believes that tarot cards and the history of tarot cards can hold the key to unlocking fortune telling. He starts to realize that he can use Anna because Anna has experience and education with medieval and Renaissance art. And so tarot cards, you know, began around that time. So in this mix is Rachel, who seems to have death follow her. Her parents have died. You end up finding out that one of her classmates died. There's all these salacious rumors. And one of the salacious rumors is that she has a thing with Patrick. Something's going on between her and Patrick. She ends up becoming Anna's best friend to the point where it's like a, like it's a toxic relationship because she's overprotective of Anna. She gets jealous of Anna, like is friends with anybody else. She just, I guess, is consumed by this friendship. Anna soon finds herself in a game of power, toxic friendship and ambition. And this all leads to the mysterious death of Patrick. Okay. There is some mysticism because they use the tarot cards and she has the ability to see the future, unlike the rest of them. I have to say I was annoyed with Anne. She was one of those characters that was very naive. And if I could, I just wanted to reach and shake her and be like, oh, like, open, open your, your eyes. eyes. Yeah. Exactly. So she was very naive, but she, towards the end of the book, she was just like, she impressed me. She impressed me almost to the point where I, I want to say, I, I don't even know how to say it. I don't know. I feel like there's something a tidbit sinister of Anne. Okay. Um, the ending is just very, it's such a good ending. There were things that kept me guessing. Towards the end, it's just one revelation after another. It just made me change my perspective of Anne because I thought she was just a goody two-shoe, mousy person, never was going to stand up for herself was very oblivious to what was going on around her. And towards the end, you realize that uh, she might have been this person when she first came to New York, but given the situation and what happened in the book and the events, she completely does a 180 and changes. Her personality changes and you find some stuff that, um, yeah, it just leaves you gasping. Okay. Um, I, I really, enjoyed it. Um, you do get a little bit, so I've never been into tarot cards, but, um, I, I did find the tarot card thing interesting. They do have little tidbits of history on tarot cards. Also, I was pleasantly surprised to know that the cloisters is an actual place. Apparently they have also the famous unicorn tapestries, which are these tapestries that depict unicorns, but I think they're one of a kind. If you are the type of person that kind of likes a little bit of the mysticism and just 
a really good ending to a book, then I would definitely encourage you to read The Cloisters by Katie Hayes. That's about it for me. I can't believe... Well, actually, I have one more book, but I'm going to save it. I can't believe... I've gotten through four books. That's insane. All right, guys. So first, before we leave, I want to thank you guys because I was telling Bonnie earlier that we had 31 downloads for Lit Chat. So that's awesome. Thank you guys for listening to us. As always, we want to hear what you have to say. Um, if you want to share what you're reading, just send us an email. Let us know. We will be more than interested in finding out what you guys are reading and sharing it with the rest of our listeners. In the meantime, this is PJ. And this is Bonnie. We will be here next month. Have a good day. Bye. Bye.